This is Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for joining us. I want to welcome a familiar voice back to the show now, writer, speaker, lecturer, and author John U. Bacon, whose latest book just came out yesterday. It's titled, Let Them Lead, Unexpected Lessons in Leadership from America's Worst High School Hockey Team. And it's focused on uplifting leadership practices that are drawn from Bacon's own experience, transforming the nation's worst high school hockey team into one of the best. I'm really happy to welcome John U. Bacon back to the show to talk with me about his latest book. John, welcome back to Detroit Today. Mr. Henderson, uh, always a pleasure. Thank you, sir. Yeah, so I, I love this book because it's about it's about you and it's about these high school hockey players that you that you coached. Uh, tell us first how you came to be the coach of America's Worst Hockey Team. Uh, not easily. The <laughs> America's Worst Hockey Team is true. Ann Arbor Huron River Rats, which is, of course, a true uh, mascot, swear to God. <laughs> they had not won a game in a year and a half. They were 0, 22, and 3. 0 is where the wins go. They were ranked dead last in the nation on some website. And then they hire me, the worst player in school history, not false modesty, Stephen. <laughs> 86 games in here in uniform, fewest goals, zero. And Stephen, I played forward. So <laughs> you can't spin this. Um, and in fact, they did not want me. The first vote, uh, supposedly the final vote between me and the other finalist, was four to two from the committee uh, for the other guy. And that included the athletic director, my former algebra teacher and a good friend, her secretary, a parent, and the incoming captain. So you have those four voting against you. That doesn't look very good either. But the trainer, one of the two votes, he would not take no for an answer and finally prompted the AD to flip her vote. And the principal broke the tie based on the fact that I'd gone to Huron, basically. So you got a coach with no goals, a team with no wins, and they don't want them. This should work great. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's, it's like the premise of a good movie. It's, it's, it's almost, if it wasn't real, it'd be, you'd be stretching it too far. <laughs> so, so talk to me about how, how you begin. This is uh, you know, an inauspicious start, to say the least. What, 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 do you, what do you begin with to try to say, we can, we can do this differently and we can be better? Uh, I talked to my mentor at Culver Academy, a guy named Al Clark, who has the most wins in U.S. high school hockey history. Very quiet guy, just like me, Stephen. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and he said, the first thing you have to do is to make it special to play for Huron, and the best way to make it special is to make it hard. So the exact opposite advice of everyone else, everyone else has given me about generation, about the millennials, now Generation Z, of course, they're lazy, they're entitled, they're selfish, and so on. No. So we went out a week after school got out in late June in the weight room and the track, uh, three days a week for four straight months. And it was brutal. And they all puked at some point, and so did I, <laughs> and the other assistant coach. Uh, but not one player quit. And these are not self-selecting Navy SEALs we're talking about. This is the worst team in America. So we got them wrong. And they were inspired by the challenge of it all. And they brought their friends down from football and basketball and lacrosse to see if they could hack this stuff. So it worked. And then uh, by the end of the three years, we were number four in the state and 53 in the nation. So we'd passed 95% of the nation in three years. So mm. and I didn't cut one player from the winless team. All those guys played their entire careers. Wow. So one of the things you did was you put the players in charge of things like 
team discipline and goal setting and even some of the decision making. Um, talk about why you think that approach helped turn the team around. It was essential. And there are two things they tell you when you take over 25-year-olds these days. Don't push them, and uh, you better maintain control. Hmm. And I did the opposite of both, and it worked. Um, here's why. Because if it's you versus your people in your division, at your radio station, in your department, you're going to lose by lunch. You're outnumbered. It's got to be everybody working together to lead. And a great line from John Cooper, who just won his second Stanley Cup for the Tampa Bay Lightning. But he got a start coaching Lansing Catholic Central when I was coaching at Huron. Uh, we were compatriots during that time. Mm. His great line is, bad teams, nobody leads. Good teams, leaders lead. Uh, great teams, everybody leads, and that's what I was trying to create, a uh, situation where everybody lead, uh, everyone's leading. So I put the seniors in charge of attire, what we wore for at school, during games, on the road, and so on, put them in charge of a lot of discipline issues, asked them what, how I should handle certain situations, and they were always tougher than I would have been, even on themselves. I put them in charge of goal setting, uh, and in my third year, I even trusted them. We had a 14-game winning streak broken by two straight losses to our rivals, Ann Arbor Pioneer and Trenton, the mighty Trenton Trojans. And I said, okay, how do you stop a skid? I put the seniors in charge of coaching the next game against a very good team, Riverview, downriver, um, a team that could have beaten us. I said, you guys are going to pick the lineup, pick the starters, pick the power play and the penalty kill, do the speeches in the locker room between periods. I'm not going to say a word, and you will talk to the Ann Arbor News when we're done, not me. Those guys went out and kicked their butts. Six to nothing. It was, they did a better job than I could have done. <laughs> and the Anna Renews said, if Bacon keeps us up, he'll soon be out of a job. I'm thinking, yes, yeah, the idea. So <laughs> it works. You let out the rope and it works. It's amazing. Yeah. So it seems to me that these are leadership lessons that don't just apply in the locker room for a hockey team. This is the kind of thing that, that you can use, with, especially with young people, I think, in lots of different environments. That's been my experience, and to prove it, I taught it, I've taught at Michigan since '06, on and off on the side. It's not my full-time job, but I've coached, coached, taught about 15 years on and off. I've had 2,000 students. I've had five late papers, and by late, I mean within five minutes, mm. and you still get enough, um, but all five students stayed in the class, um, so, and we have no hats, no cell phones, no laptops, and we have a wait list, so that goes against everything you're hearing about Generation Z. So this stuff is transferable to college teaching, men and women, and I've seen it work in the workplace many times, and I do consulting now with companies to instill this stuff, and it works. Hmm. Um, and again, it goes against what everyone's telling you. But when you think about it, Stephen, it's actually pretty simple, and I'll put you in the spot here. Who was your favorite teacher of all time? And I know you're a U of D Cub back mm -hmm. in the day. Yeah. Who was your favorite teacher? Um, a man named Mike Class, who uh, was the band director. Uh, Perfect. Yeah. That's right. You played in the Michigan band. I forgot I did. about that. I so did. I asked that question about 10 years ago by accident in Vancouver. I've asked it since around the country and even in Sao Paulo and uh, Santiago, Chile on speeches. And everybody in the world can come up with their favorite teacher in five seconds. Mm -hmm. Nobody ever hesitates. And, and his name again, sorry, the band director was Mike Mr. Class. Yeah, Mr. Class. Mr. Glass? Class, yeah. Class. Uh, was he easy? Uh, not at all. Not at all. Did he care about you? <laughs> he did. He did. That's it. There, I'm done. Yeah. I wrote a column <laughs> about him when, uh, when he died, uh, and most of it was about, uh, you know, how much he, he drove me and how much, uh, how much he cared uh, and how much more he cared than, than, than other teachers did. 
uh, not just about how I was doing in his class, but uh, but just how I was doing. And, and that characterizes a human being. Yeah. That's what this book is about. Yeah. It's yeah. how to become your favorite teacher and become that for them. So yeah. it all boils down to, and I was on the radio once talking to somebody about Mike Babcock, the old Red Wings coach. And mm-hmm. My impression was he didn't care enough about his players, and I stand by that. Um, I know some of those players. Mm. And the person I was talking to said, oh, you have to balance these things. No, you don't balance them. It's 100% I love you, and 100% you can do better. It's, there's no balance. It's, it's 100%. Yeah. With those two things, everything else is details. Yeah. Um, it, it works a lot better than command and control. It works a lot better than kombucha machines. It's not those two things. Those, those things don't work. This does. So I guess the next question has to be, why aren't you coaching uh, the Detroit Lions? Uh, <laughs> and do you think that approach might work with uh, the the worst team in the history of uh, the city of Detroit? Uh, I can tell you this: it, I couldn't do any worse. I can I guarantee you. <laughs> um, and it's not an accident. Dan Shaughnessy of the Boston Globe, a name you know, mm-hmm. uh, one of the big time sports columnists out there. Mm-hmm. I mentioned a little a little mention of the book on Sunday. He said, "This is Ted Lasso meets Mighty Ducks." <laughs> And you know who Ted Lasso is. Yes, yes. <laughs> You're yeah. truly sad to say. Uh, but the point of Ted Lasso and the point of the Mighty Ducks is humans, they have to be human beings first, and then you can start leading in your field. And I never got mad about a loss. Uh, we didn't lose very many at the end. I never got mad about a loss. I got mad about effort and team spirit, those mm. two things. Yeah. If we're doing those two things, I'll worry about the wins and losses. Yeah. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Well, uh, John Eubacon, it's always great to have you here. Uh, on the program talking about sports and uh, your work as an author. But uh, I think there's something really special about uh, this current book, and I'm, I'm glad you wrote it, but I'm especially glad that you joined us to talk about it. Thanks so much for being here. Stephen, thank you. If you want to order it, here's my crappy marketing. Uh, <laughs> Let them be by bacon.com. Also got a podcast, Let them be by bacon.com. Yeah. Thanks, yeah. buddy. All right. Uh, you can also go, you can get it on Amazon, isn't that right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, of course. All right, thanks so much for being here. All right, thank you, Stephen. Okay, that is going to do it for us today. Come back tomorrow when we're going to talk about caregiving here in Detroit and the efforts to assist people who take care of their loved ones full-time. 53% of Americans are right now caring for someone uh, in their family, in their home. And a staggering number is becoming part of who we are as Americans. We're going to talk about uh, how that has changed all of us. Detroit Today is produced by Jake Neer and Anna Marie Seisling. Our program director is Joan Isabella. Our technical director and engineer is Matthew Trevethan. And our student producer is Nora Rhine. Detroit Today's wonderful music is created by Sam Bobian and Will Sessions. This is 1019 WDETFM, Detroit's NPR station. Your connection to news, music, and conversation. We'll talk again tomorrow.